You're listening to the Conversations with Kids Peace podcast. Advice, information, and inspiration from experts at the leading provider of mental and behavioral health services for children, adults, and those who love them. Now, here's your host. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is sponsored by Spyglass Solutions, a nationally recognized management consulting group with comprehensive experience in the challenges of the healthcare field. Learn more at spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. Hello and welcome to our podcast series, Conversations with Kids Peace. I'm Bob Martin. You're probably familiar with the old saying, necessity is the mother of invention. And you're probably also familiar with any number of examples of the truth behind that proverb. When you're presented with a challenge or challenges, you find ways to succeed despite them, perhaps by taking advantage of an idea that might have seen an odd fit in less challenging times. Now, all of that is to say one way that Kids Pieces outpatient programs have addressed their clients' needs despite the COVID-19 pandemic is through an approach not normally associated with mental health services, and that's telehealth. To talk about the remarkable growth in the use of telehealth options in outpatient mental health care in response to the pandemic, we are very pleased to welcome our friend Brianna Allen back with us. She is the outpatient program manager for Kids Pieces Pennsylvania-based community programs. Brianna, welcome back. It's good to see you. Thank you. I'm so glad to be back. Uh, let's get started. If you can give us a, a brief overview of the services that Kids Peace um, provides through its outpatient programs and sure. uh, which ones were hampered by the COVID-19 mitigation protocols the most. Sure. So, um, you know, Kids Peace's outpatient is pretty traditional outpatient Family therapy um, for any number of, of people in our community. We see over 2,000 clients at any given time. And so we really um, are providing services to a wide range of of populations and, you know, um, families and individuals coming in in different places. So we provide therapy um, by either a master's uh, or licensed clinician. Um, We also provide medication management if people are seeking that. So it's not required, but it is an option if people are interested in using medication to assist um, their treatment. Um, And then prior to COVID, we had a lot of group therapies. We had between 15 and 20 running every week. Um, Our services are are typically on the lower end of of a a specific level of care. So outpatient is the lowest level of care typically um, in mental health. And so that means our clients are coming in um, weekly or biweekly because we know that, um, you know, Sometimes even when people are in a low level of care, they need some extra support. We also offer crisis services. Um, So any of our clients or anyone in the community, even if you're not previously associated with Kids Peace, can come in for a walk-in assessment um, at any time. Um, That's something we've been running for years and we've continued to run it through um, the COVID pandemic. Um, And if somebody is coming in for a crisis assessment, we'll meet with them, review what brought them in, and really help them navigate the mental health system to the most appropriate level of care. Now, I, I was going to say, when we when we got into the COVID, what 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 were the impact on those services? So you know it felt like everything changed overnight. Everything happened so quickly. And and really we've adapted different services um, 
in a couple of different ways. So most of our traditional therapy has been able to be switched over to telehealth. We had a lot of families who for years were coming into our office and, and suddenly they were having their sessions um, by Zoom or by phone um, so that there was no gap in care while, while people were making sure that they were able maintaining health and safety. Um, we were able to do that for, for therapy services and also for medication. Our doctors have been incredibly flexible um, and, and just meeting families however they can. And so that's meant a lot of phone calls and Zoom meetings to make sure that medication is working um, and, and that uh, if there's any needs, if there's any crisis that that gets addressed um, in the medication management appointment. What we have done though, is our crisis services have remained in person. Um, you know, if somebody is in crisis, if there is risk to self or others, um, we wanna make sure that the, the child or adult um, is, is on site so that we can provide immediate support. So what that looks like is um, even throughout in the midst of the pandemic, when, when things were sort of at their worst, we were still bringing um, members of the community in when they were in crisis. We, we had a lot of precautions set up. Um, we, we still do certainly um, where, where people are screened before they come in. Um, and, and it's just one person who is coming in to meet with a therapist. Um, but we've been able to provide in-person crisis management throughout the, the pandemic. You mentioned in terms of therapy, uh, ther uh, outside of the crisis that you just mentioned, yeah. crisis situation. Um, can you describe how that kind of session with the therapist might go using the telehealth option? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so there, there's a couple of things that we have to keep in mind, regardless of the type of therapy that you're providing. Um, so... For example, if, if you have a, a person or a family in your, your office, you know exactly who's in the room. Managing safety and privacy from a remote location is a lot more complicated. Um, we had a, a therapist who was completing a session and at the very end of the session realized another person had been in the room the whole time and, and we weren't notified of it. And I think particularly when we have children receiving therapy services where they don't get to make a lot of those decisions, it is hard for us to know who's engaging in services, who, who is there in the room during the therapy session. Um, so managing privacy, confidentiality, while we're not in control of where the child is, we're not in control of the environment, has been really complicated. Uh, we've worked with, with our families as much as possible to identify a, a safe and a, uh, a location in the home that is private to the person receiving therapy. So a bedroom or an office where they can close the door and know that they're, they're talking to their therapist with the same confidentiality that they would have done in, in the office setting. Um, so that's been a, a significant hurdle um, as, as we're providing services to families families in, in sort of new and unique places, right? So it's easy or easier to identify a room in a house. We've had, um, you know, families who were driving and wanted to complete a family service. We've had to say things like, we cannot do therapy in the produce section of the, of the grocery store. And, and so really being able to impress on people that therapy deserves a private and, and safe place for you to be able to just set aside time for your service, um, that, that's been something that it's been an ongoing um, you know, barrier to, to being able to complete services. Um, so we work with our families to, to really impress on them the importance of that. Um, 
you know, the other issue that we've come up with, particularly if we have concerns regarding domestic violence or potential abuse in the home, um, we've worked with families to, um, you know, if we had a, 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 maybe a member of a couple that we worried about domestic violence, um, they had a code word for us to know if we need to stop talking if the partner came into the room because suddenly they're not in an office separate from everybody else in the family. They're, they're in their own home um, and they may not be able to manage who comes into the to the room or not. Um, so we've really made sure to, um, while we want to provide services, regardless of where our clients are, we want to be able to meet them where they are. Um, we also want to make sure that we're setting up an environment that is safe and secure for them to do that. So that's really been some of the biggest barriers. Um, you know, in terms of what therapy looks like, um, you know, for just traditional talk therapy, it hasn't been a huge jump. Um, I think it's weird getting to know people over a screen as opposed to in person. There's a lot of body language that gets missed. There's a lot of just sort of, you know, um, some of the mannerisms and the way that you build rapport with people that happens, you know, in person. That's That's been difficult, but it has been something we've been adapting to, to over the screen. Um, it is a lot trickier to do therapy with five-year-olds with, you know, the the sort of attention span of the Energizer Bunny and they're going, going, going and having them sit in front of a, a screen for 45 minutes, it isn't a reasonable request, right? So in those instances, we we really loop in the, the child support system. There's a lot of family games that happen with the therapist while the therapist is on the screen. There's a lot of tasks that get done at home and, and they're, you know, reviewing them with the therapist. Um, a lot of games that get played on the on the screen and coloring that gets done on the screen so that we can make it feel as close to what they were doing when they were in the office, maybe playing Legos on the floor or coloring together while they chatted. Um, you know, a lot of our work with kids and with adolescents are really activity-based. We spend a lot of time, there's a lot of adults in, in our office who spend a lot of their days coloring with kids while they're talking with them. And that's because we know that that helps kids feel comfortable and it helps build rapport. Um, and, and so we've tried to mimic that as much as possible while kids are, you know, not only sitting in a Zoom session for sessions with us, but then all, you know, for their school day before that, we get a lot of kids who are burnt out on it. And so we try to mix it up as much as possible. You know, it's, it's funny because I, I, I talked to so many people uh, in different fields and they have the same dynamic you just outlined, which is that um, in some ways what the pandemic did was to reveal to us some aspects of what we were doing that was sort of, uh, you know, taken for granted. It was yeah. taken for granted that you could control the access for the privacy, for example. Yep, you, absolutely. You um, and then, like you said, the kids, you know, I, I was really interested that you were saying about the kids, um, you know, having the experience of having to do schooling through yeah. remote and then trying to get to, uh, you know, the therapeutic place with them uh, yeah. while they're doing that. That's that's really uh, I, I think so many fields and, and certainly our field is one of them is uh, discovering more about what we're doing <laughs> uh, yeah. and what, what really is uh, at the core of it, because it 
got taken away. That's that old talking about old phrases, you know, the old phrase of, you know, you never know what you have till it's gone kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to go back just to something you said earlier uh, in regards, because we've been talking a lot about the um, walk-in assessments um, that we do, the free uh, sessions. And, and you mentioned that when it comes to crisis, um, it, it, it sounds as if telehealth really is not something that we can sort of incorporate a lot into that. And, and is that, is that basically what you found? Yeah. You know, um, so we really, if we think that somebody is a risk to themselves or others, if we think that they need immediate care and and can't wait for a telehealth session, or if they, they just need in-person care, um, we really want to get them on, on the location with us. Um, and that's for a couple of reasons, you know, we often have families who bring, um, children in for an assessment who maybe have been in crisis, who have made threats to hurt themselves or somebody else. Um, and the parents in that moment get the extra support of having safe adults with them who can help them manage what is the best choices for my child and how do I safely get them there? Um, the other thing that we know that is is um, being able to have sort of a non-involved third party come and talk with the child, talk with the parent, um, or just talk with the adult in the case of an adult coming in, um, can help de-escalate the situation and, and help them plan for what is, what is the next 24 hours gonna look like? How are we gonna keep everyone safe? Um, do we need to look at an inpatient hospitalization? Do we need to look at another higher level of care or can we, can we wait to begin services? And being able to de-escalate with a third party is, you know, sort of just the snippet of what happens in the therapy session anyways, but we're, we're really interjecting it into a crisis to be able to deescalate the family and, and think through what is the best practice or the best, the best choice for the family. You know, the other thing I think is um, the mental health system is difficult to navigate at times, even in the best of circumstances. And right now where, you know, so many services are being sort of adapted and some services are, are limited during the pandemic, it is really helpful to have somebody who, as a professional, is, is comfortable navigating these, these systems. You're not just getting referrals on the phone. You're sitting down with somebody looking at the services available to you, and then we're sending referrals or we're, we're getting you connected with the right person. I think it cuts out a lot of the phone calls and the outreach that parents feel like they have to do while their, their child is in crisis or while their loved one is in, is in crisis. Um, so we really do, we've, we've, we've asked people to come into the office in those settings. Conversations with Kids Peace is sponsored by Spyglass Solutions at spyglasssolutions.org slash conversations. Spyglass offers evidence-based consulting services to help your healthcare organization become more efficient while delivering more positive outcomes for your stakeholders. Spyglass consultants bring hundreds of years of collective experience to bear on the questions you need answered in today's healthcare environment. To find out how they can help you, visit them at spyglasssolutions.org conversations. That's spyglasssolutions.org conversations. Back with Brianna Allen talking about mental health, uh, telehealth and outpatient mental health treatment. Brianna, can you give us an idea, any insights as to how the clients or patients that are now receiving these services through telehealth feel about that? Yeah, some of them love it. Um, you know, there, there was sort of this really happy surprise that none of us expected, which is our attendance rates uh, just 
blew up. We suddenly, instead of having, you know, um, uh, maybe two thirds of clients attend or, or maybe a bit more than that, um, suddenly 85, 90% of people were coming to every appointment. It was incredible. And certainly, you know, during a time when there weren't a lot of happy surprises over the last year, that was certainly a nice one. Um, I think that for the right client, for the right family that, that telehealth is a good fit for, it really removes a lot of barriers to care, right? So if you are a parent with three children in services, that is three separate times that you have to take them to an appointment. You have to wait in the waiting room while they're in their appointment. You have to either manage childcare or bring your kids with you. Being able to just be at home and, and have one of your children receive their service is, is a real um, it, it is really removing barriers to, to keeping people in services. Um, we also, you know, I, I think that telehealth for some of our clients who aren't super comfortable being in new places has been a nice way to keep them in an environment that they, they enjoy um, or that they feel safe and comfortable in while still getting some help. So we had a client who um, he was really struggling with, you know, wasn't talking much in an in-person intake because we do still have some limited in-person appointments and, and, and really was struggling with it. Um, so his next appointment was, was by zoom and he was like a chatterbox and nobody saw that coming. And the therapist said like, something seems different. And he was in his own room and he kind of had his preferred items around him and he could kind of, you know, relax in his chair and he wasn't feeling like he had to, you know, he was in an uncomfortable space. And, and it was this entirely different experience because for him, telehealth seems to be a really, really good fit. Um, so I think there are a lot of people who this is um, removed barriers. They've been able to more consistently receive their services, more consistently um, attend their therapy, which we know is an indicator of whether or not therapy is going to work, right? You have to attend consistently in order to get um, uh, to, to, to see benefits from it. Um, so, so on that hand, or in that way, there has been a lot of people who really love it. You know, but telehealth isn't for everybody. Like I said, I think there's a whole group of four and five-year-olds who are really excited to get back in the office and play Legos again. Um, you know, I think that there's people who just want to be able to move around, interact with the person, with the therapist they're working with. They really do miss coming into the office. Um, and... I think one of the things that um, one of the things that's happened with telehealth, you know, prior to COVID, telehealth was really limited to um, often private pay, often people with third-party insurance, people who were not in recently in crisis, right? So you had sort of this very small sect of people who were able to receive um, telehealth. The pendulum has sort of swung in the opposite direction, and, and it's open to everybody, right? And neither is sort of the perfect fit. Having it all or nothing is, is really not, not ever a good fit. But this has been really nice for a lot of people, maybe with county insurance, who previously never would have been able to do telehealth. And this has been a brand new experience for them to be able to get services in the way that feels the most comfortable for them, um, and, and that's been really wonderful for them. And we've seen the product of that in their growth, in their, in their progress. Um, and again, in their attendance, people are just able to attend more easily than they were before. You know, it's funny because, because when you say that, I, I think of the statistics I've seen about our use of telehealth. And it was, mm -hmm. to your point, it was, you know, the first couple months of 2020, there was nothing. 
Yeah. And came March and we had a few hundred and then we had 2000 in April. Yep. And a lot of it is, like you said, the, the, uh, the availability by insurance, the availability by, uh, you know, just, you know, having that capability and also being comfortable enough and confident enough um, that you're not putting yourself at risk if you're yeah. the client in the pandemic um, leads to that figure you mentioned before, the 85, 90% uh, yeah. people coming in, which is, as you say, for those who are not in the field, that's um, extraordinary. And, it's unheard of. Yeah, yeah. Right. it's incredible. Yeah. Now, when this all happened and we started talking about telehealth and we saw some of the statistics we saw, I started thinking about the next generation of therapists. And I wonder if you have any mm -hmm. thoughts or uh, insights into how the training and education of the next group of professionals in your field might be changed by the fact that telehealth options are now, uh, are now become mainstream. Um, this has been a, a period of time for all of our clinicians that we've had to be really creative. Um, we've had to, um, during our clinical meetings and during our treatment team meetings, spend an enormous amount of time talking about what does it look like to provide, um, for example, trauma-focused uh, services remotely. Um, we have a lot of a very um, you know, evidence-based interventions that we use and we, we're all trained to use them in person. And what does it look like now when we're trying to do these interventions um, across the screen? And, and you know, it was certainly difficult, but it was a really wonderful growth experience. Um, I think it's taught everyone to be a little bit more creative, a little bit more thinking out of the box. Um, and, and you know, that's a good thing, regardless of what comes next, those are good skills to bring into you know, whatever we're going to need to address next down the road. Um, based on what you've seen, we're all looking for what happens after putting the pandemic behind us. But do you think telehealth is an option for uh, outpatient mental health treatment going forward? I was just going to say, I think the more options that people have to engage in therapy in a way that they're comfortable with, in a way that meets them where they're at, the more people that we can we can begin helping. So I think if, if getting, to, getting to a physical building shouldn't be the barrier to whether or not a, a person has access to treatment. Um, and so I, I, I think that, um, I, I really do hope that this is something that at least continues to grow because so many people have benefited from it. We've seen it working over the last year. We've seen an incredible amount of progress, you know, progress in the midst of this sort of unprecedented pandemic, you know, and that's incredible. Um, I think as clinicians, that was wonderful to be able to see that even in the midst of a lot of chaos, people, people were feeling supported, people were, were doing well, um, and they were, they were reaching out for help and able to get it. And that's an incredible thing to see. Very fulfilling. Yeah. We ask each of our guests to end their time with us with a life hack. This can be a piece of advice, a favorite saying, maybe a tip doing something around the house better. Um, so Brianna, what's your life hack for us today? All right, so um, I know that this is not something anyone's experienced in at least a year, but um, my life hack is similar to when you go on a, a, a flight and they're doing the emergency instructions. And remember, if you can remember back to the last time anyone was on a plane, 
they drop down the air mask. And the, the first thing that they say to everybody is if you have a child with you, you put your mask on yourself first, and then you help your child. Because if you pass out, there's, then you're no, there's no one else to help your child. I think one of the nice things that we've done, especially as we're getting parents into help, as we're working with, with families who've experienced um, generational trauma, one of the things that we consistently tell them is take care of your own, your own mental health, take care of yourself because you're the one who's providing support to all the people who rely on you. Um, so I don't know if it's much of a life hack. It is something I say at least once a week to a lot of the parents I work with, to a lot of the caregivers of their own parents that I work with. Um, put your own mask on first, your own air mask on first, and then you can help the people around you. I think that's a great analogy. Um, and and we're, we're, you're right. I mean, we're constantly telling people you can't presume that you're immune to the same uh, stresses that the kids or your loved ones are yeah. facing. Uh, and you have to be able to, you know, count on that. In some way, it's it's taking care of the foundation of what you're building is yes. your own self-care and your own your own uh, self, uh, self uh, uh, the ability you have to support those people. So and I love that, uh, that analogy. You're right. Put on your own mask first and then you can help everybody. So Brianna Allen is outpatient program manager at Kids Pieces Pennsylvania Community Programs. And you can find out more information about those offices and the offerings that are available there, especially during the pandemic here by visiting kidspeace.org. Brianna, again, thank you for the great conversation. Thank you so much. It was great being back. No problem. The Conversations with Kids Peace podcast is produced by Robbie Allred. I'm Bob Martin. Thank you for joining us. We look forward to having you join us again for more Conversations with Kids Peace. Take care. <laughs>